0: let's get started. We have been talking for about a month on the, the topic of why it's so critical that we expect God to do something good. The Bible says those that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Uh, if heaven was the only thing God was interested in, you going to heaven, and that's a big deal. I mean, if you miss everything else, don't miss that. But if that was the only thing that he was interested in you uh, experiencing, every time that somebody said yes to Jesus, they would instantly be transported into eternity. But rather, when you are a Christian, uh, you are an ambassador for God. When you are rescued by God, you become a rescuer for God. So along the way, we got to get our thinking and our belief structure in line with the Word. Uh, so we have to, just by default, expect God to do something good in our life. Number one, if you're taking notes, God's blessing on your life is not restricted by man's opinion Or action against you. God's blessing on your life is not restricted by man's opinion or action against you, just yours. The only person on this side of eternity who can hinder the blessing of God on your life is you. All because you have to reprogram your thinking to believe God at His Word that He is going to do something good in your life no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. You have to believe God at His Word that you are going to indeed see God move in your life. You're going to have to believe God at His Word. I'm going to give you two or three examples this morning. But you're going to have to believe God at His Word that He is going to do something powerful and supernatural on your behalf and your, in your life. It may happen today. It may happen tomorrow. But let me tell you something. It's either going to happen instantly, eventually, or eternally. But the will of God is going to be done in your life. The Word of God, the Bible says, does not return unto Him void. In other words, it does not return unto him without uh, uh, some, some serious changes being made. When he says let there be light, there is no negotiations in the heavenlies. When he says uh, that the waters can go this far there is no negotiations with the flu- with the with the seas. He is overwhelming and when he speaks his word will come to pass but we have to reprogram our own thinking and our own mindset to expect God to do something good even when somebody is saying something or doing something that is contrary to what, what we know God has called us to do. David in the Bible, can we just all agree that King David uh, is blessed and highly favored in our Bible? Just lift your hand. Come on, lift your hand. Let's just all, and lift your other hand. Now put your right hand in and shake it all about. See, the thing is, David was so blessed, so blessed. He was, he was said of David, he's a man after God's own heart. If, if God would say that about me, it would give me so much joy. A man after God's own heart. David was not just a man after God's own heart. David was an awesome guitar player. He played the guitar of that time called uh, uh, a lyre. It was actually a small harp, but he he played a he played a lyre, a small harp. Which the only reason he played that is because they didn't have electricity. Or I I just assure you he would be playing an electric guitar and he would be at New Heights Church worship team. But 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 David was funny. He was a great uh, warrior. He was known for going to battle. Uh, he was a good shepherd. He would protect his daddy's sheep, and uh, he killed a lion, and he killed a bear. But David had people that were constantly against him, yet God seemed to promote him in the face of all adversity. The Bible says that David, uh, that that the man, his name was Samuel, that came to anoint the next king of Israel. He came to David's daddy named Jesse, and he said, "Hey Jesse," he said, uh, "I know I'm going to anoint one of your boys to be king of Israel." He said, "Bring me your boys." And Jesse didn't even bring David to the party. Have you ever not been invited to your own party? It would be like having a birthday party for you, but you're not invited. He's left out in the woods, yet God made them all look silly. Samuel walked by and he goes, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, gets to the end of the line. And he goes, don't you have any more boys? And now Jesse's looking real silly. He's going, well, I got this one, but he's kind of a rascal. He's out there in the thing. He's always jumping on lions and bears. And, you know, he's always with the sheep and he's, he's crazy about this slingshot. He's like, what's this dead? And he's always slinging his slingshot and trying to hit stuff. He's just crazy about it. And Samuel goes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And he goes out and he pours the oil on him and he's anointed. And he says, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And he's like, great. And, 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 and David's dad says, well, king, guess what you're going to do now? And David's like, I don't know. Go pick out my throne. Go pick out my robe to get sized for a, for a crown. I'm not real sure. And Jesse says, you're going to go tend the sheep. I got to tend the sheep some more. He said, I got to tend the sheep. He says, okay, dad, I'll do it. Goes and tends the sheep. All of a sudden there's this rumor, this giant that's in a valley that's screaming out against all of Israel and he wants to start a fight. His name was Goliath. He's like, I'm going to kill all of y'all. And Jesse goes, all right, boys, it's time for y'all to go take care of this giant. Somebody's got to rise up and support Israel. I need you boys to go take care of it. And Jesse's like, let me get my slingshot. I know for a fact daddy's going to tell me to do it. And he goes, you go, you go, you go, you go, you go. You stay, boy. Dad, you stay." This is not for slings and stones. This is for men with swords and shields. Take care of the sheep. They go and they don't come back for a while and Jesse starts to worry about his boys and he calls, Jesse, he calls uh, uh, David out of, the, out of the field. He says, David, come here. He said, I want you to take your brother something to eat. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was told I was about to be king and now I, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, like an Uber driver for my brothers. I'm, I'm about to be king, and, and now I'm delivering pizza for my brothers. It was bread and cheese. I'm a pizza driver for my brothers. I wasn't even invited to my own kingly anointing service. And I don't get to go to war, but, but now I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to bring my brothers some food? Dad, for real? The Bible says he goes. And he gets there, and his brothers say, uh, What are you doing here, David. He said, where are the sheep anyway? Who's watching over the sheep? And David says, I got somebody taking care of that. In other words, David didn't let what he had to do overlook what else he had to do. You see, so many times in our life, we we at least Christians, and not so much in the early church, because the early church, you know, people would give their life for Jesus, you know, but in the modern church, it was it, it's it's more like you know, I'm just, I'm just working here until God's calling gets completely released on me. And I'm like, 40 hours a week, somebody is paying you to be around people? And God's whole plan is to come and rescue people. And somebody is paying you to be around people for 40 hours. And you're sitting there wondering when God is going to release you in your calling. You are sitting in the dead middle of your calling. Work your field while you can. So David didn't sit there and go, well, I I did this so I couldn't do the other thing. That would be like saying I put gas in my car but I didn't put any air in my tires. You do one thing, Matthew 23, 23, You do one thing, but you don't leave the other undone. So David gets there and he says, what are you even doing here? And he's like, man, Dad told me to bring you guys some food, so I brought you some food. And he said, you're just here because you wanted to see the fight. And it's like, man, I don't know about seeing a fight or whatever. And all of a sudden the giant starts screaming out, oh, I'm going to kill everybody in Israel. Everybody's a bunch of sissies in Israel. Everybody in, in Israel doesn't like Tom Brady. And David hears this, and he's like, not my Tom. David hears this, he goes, what did he say? And the brothers are still just chattering. Would you just shut up, little pizza boy? Why don't you go back there and take care of the sheep? Would you just be quiet? Would you, you're just here for this, you're just here for that. And David's sitting there, and in his heart of hearts, he's going, I don't know if y'all are deaf, but that guy's talking about our God. I don't know if you guys can't hear that, but that guy's talking about our God. And he says, he goes, what's the deal? And somebody else says, well, if somebody will fight him, they get to marry the king's daughter. And Dave goes, come again? (laughs) They get to marry the king's daughter. He said, well, listen, he says, I'm down with marrying the king's daughter. He said, but I'm not going to stand here and let him talk about our God that way. What was interesting is his brothers never shut up. Yet he still did what God called him to do anyway. Later, he would kill the giant, of course, uh, carry his head back to Israel. Then the Bible says he worked for the king. The king uh, 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 tried to kill him. He was sent into several different battles that the king was just trying to kill him. Then he actually tried to have him assassinated. And it was, depending on which historian you believe, about 15 years from the time he was told you're going to be king to when he actually became king. Here's the deal. No man's opinion or actions against you can stop the will of God from coming to pass in your life. Give God a big hand. But here's the deal. Bump your neighbor and say, here's the deal. You have a choice. Life life is like a a choose-your-own-adventure novel. It's not just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's not true. If you sit idly by, if you you decide to turn your motors off in the ocean, you'll go wherever the sea listeth. You'll go wherever the sea decides to go. But you can turn your engines on and you can chart a path and no matter if the waves are raging, if the winds are raging, it may take you a little longer to get there, it may take you faster to get there, it just depends on the, the circumstances, but if you'll decide you're going to move forward, it doesn't matter what comes against you, your destination is sure, but you've got to make the decision. When I was growing up, I, I would read uh, a lot of uh, these, these books and they were called Choose Your Own Adventure and, and about every, you know, th- third, fourth, fifth page, there would be a, a an option it says if if so so say it was like about somebody who was out camping Okay, somebody's out camping, and, and the, it's starting to rain, and they come, and, and they find a cave, and they look, and there's like bear sc- uh, uh, scratches on the side of the cave, so there's probably a bear in the cave. And it would say, if you want to uh, go into the cave and risk running into a bear, go to page 13. If you want to uh, uh, back out and go uh, and find you another safe place to camp, uh, go to page 18. And I was always like, Bear! But see, life is like that for you and me. When you say yes to Jesus, you still have choices in life. You have to determine to pursue God. You have to determine to follow after God. You're going to have choices just like Abraham had when when Melchizedek, the king of peace and and the king of Sodom, the king of sin, were were, negotiating. One was talking to him and one was trying to negotiate. You have choices that you have to make in life constantly, ever and always. And I'm here to tell you, I want you to choose, even when it doesn't seem right excuse me, even when it doesn't seem like it's going to work out, I want you to choose to continue to do well and not grow weary because if you do, in due season, you're going to reap. And the whole time, you're just going like this. It's raining, you're walking into a bear uh, cave and you're sitting there and you're going, well, I'm just expecting God to do something good. Well, how can I expect God to do something good in a bear cave? I just believe God and His Word that He'll deliver me, that His hand is on me, that He's protecting me. He's going to bless me. Am I going in? Am I coming out? But I'm not backing off. I'm not slowing down. I'm not getting tired. I'm not getting weary. And if I do, I know where I am weak. He is strong. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to expect God to do something good in my life. Number two, pursuing God, I love this, pursuing God guarantees conflict. Pursuing God guarantees conflict. When you said yes to Jesus, you put a bullseye on your back. When you said yes to Jesus, you became the most dangerous thing to the kingdom of hell in your entire family. Because when one breaks out, now you can reach back and pull everybody with you. But you have to understand conflict is not optional in the body of Christ if you want to pursue God. If you decide to take the choose your own adventure and say, okay, do I want to pursue God? Go to page 12. Do I want to pursue the devil? Go to page 666. If you decide to pursue God, conflict is not an option. And conflict does not mean you are off course. Sometimes conflicts mean conflict means you are exactly on course. David's life was filled with conflict. Noah, the Bible says, God asked him to build a boat. He said, I'm going to flood the whole world. I'm going to save your family and you guys are going to be the richest people in the world. You're going to own all the land, all the cattle. The whole world's going to, and I'm going to repopulate the entire world with the lineage of Noah. And Noah was like, awesome. And God said, build me a boat for a hundred years. A hundred? What? What, what, what do I need a boat for? It's going to rain. What is rain? It had never rained on planet earth. The Bible said He would just bring dew. Sometimes God's trying to position you for something that may come into your life that you've never seen before. And it's going to take more preparation than you've ever put in. But if you'll just do what God tells you to do, when God tells you to do it, the conflict will become a place of your victory and not a place that holds you back. Conflict. Not optional. John the Baptist, life riddled with conflict. Stephen, the Bible says, conflict. In his last breath, his la- they, said, they, said, they, said, they said, we're going to kill this guy named Stephen. I said, what did he do? He's telling people about Jesus. They're going to kill him for telling people about Jesus? This is what was happening then. Still happening all around the world today. They're gonna kill him for telling people about Jesus. They grabbed the stones, stand over the top of him, and when they stoned people to death back then, it wasn't like throwing a bunch of little pea gravel at people. It was throwing stones until the person was dead. Big rocks and they got over the top of him and Stephen looks up and it was in the middle of the conflict it was in the middle of all the atmosphere raging around him when the kingdom of darkness was trying to get him to quit and the kingdom of heaven was trying to encourage him come on Stephen you're almost there don't give up now Stephen looks up and the Bible says he sees Jesus and Jesus most times in the Bible is, is, is pictured seated next to his father but he saw one of his own who was pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in God and he saw the man lift the rock and he's about to throw it at Stephen and I believe he stood up and he goes come on Stephen you can do it and Stephen looked he says I see Jesus standing next to the Father he goes Father forgive them they don't know what they're doing bang he went into eternity conflict is not optional in the body of Christ conflict means you're doing something for the body of Christ conflict is not something that we run from conflict is something we run to when you're a boxer, if you want to make the big money, when you hear ding ding, you gotta get off the stool. When you hear the bell, you gotta get off the you gotta get out of the corner. It's just like anything else. If the devil comes and rings the doorbell at your house, I want you to answer the door and make him sorry forever knocking on yours. Conflict is not optional in the body of Christ. Conflict is necessary. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence. But the violent, that's you and me, we take it by force. Now, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Some of y'all, I saw the look in y'all's eyes. Y'all watched UFC 209 last night. And and the preacher said, I get to box at work tomorrow. I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But my boss is always yelling at me. I got everybody's against me at work. I got this, I got that. Let me just tell you what your job is. Your job is to love people and point them to Christ. Love people and point them to Christ. Love people and point them to Christ. But they shouldn't have done that to me. They shouldn't have driven three nails into the Son of God. They shouldn't have said that about me. They shouldn't have called him a heretic and a hypocrite and said he was full of the devil. But they did. Then Jesus said, listen, they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you because they hated me. Conflict is not optional in the body of Christ. If you're going to do anything for the kingdom, conflict's critical. Here's the deal. Number three. Is this okay this morning? Number three. Thank you, Lord. Going through the fire is not always fun but it's always worth it. Going through the fire is not always fun, but it's always worth it. Now, now here's why going through the fire is so important. Because when you go through the fire, and really if you've been through some fires, you're not nearly as critical about everybody else When they're in their fire season. When you've been through some, when you have some scars, it makes you want to heal somebody else's. When you've been through the fire, you don't point your finger at the one who's in there now. When you've been through some stuff, when you've been through some issues, it's a lot harder for you. Now, if you are a Christian for a long time, it gets easier to be a hypocrite. This is just for real. I'm sorry, I didn't made it, mean to say it like that. I meant to say it exactly like that. The longer you're a Christian, the easier it is to be a hypocrite. There was, there's a song we used to sing, and it would say, uh, Take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. All I want to do is love you. All I want to do is worship you. All I want to do is lay here right at your feet. As I lift my hands to heaven. Lift your hands. Let your fire fall down on me. Rekindle the fire within me, Lord. Once again. You see, when when you... When you are a bit of a rascal, and just looking out, I can see you are. And the reason I know is because it takes one to know one. When you're a bit of a rascal, it's a lot harder to condemn somebody who's acting like a rascal. But when you've been there yourself and then you've been forgiven... The only thing that will stop you from living a lifestyle of forgiveness is forgetting what it was like when you first believed. The only thing that will put a rock in your hand is whenever you decide to step off of the rock that is the one that you're standing on. The, the only way that, that, that we, that we uh, decide to be a people that are uh, hard and, and unforgiving is when we begin to forget or it gets distant in our memory of how much he has forgiven us of. So the reason he calls rascals is because he knows rascals will forgive other rascals. The reason he calls rascals like like Peter, who was a lying, cussing fisherman, is because he knew he wouldn't be throwing stones at people who were lying and cussing. The reason he called Saul, who became Paul, the greatest apostle in our Bible, who wrote 13 books in the New Testament, is because he knew he had been so filthy to Christians that he would be willing to forgive every Christian of everything that anybody's ever done. He knew if he got some rascals on his team, he could take over the whole world that's why he called you that's why he called you not so you'd keep being a rascal but so that you would go and rescue because here's the thing if you can expect God to do something good in your life the next step is for you to expect God to do something good in somebody else's life The next step is for you to believe God that He's going to rescue them. You say, well, they've been rude to me. They've been been this. They've done all these other things. You don't know. They've been in prison. They've been divorced 700 times. They've been ugly to this person. They've been ugly to that person. All I'm trying to tell you is if you can love them and point them to Christ, God will do for them what He has done for you. But somebody's got to tell them. Somebody's got to invite them. Just, 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 I did this uh, recently, and, and I loved it. If you're here today, and I'm not saying it's your first time. If it's your first time, uh, I'm really glad you're here. But, but uh, if, no matter how many times you've been here, no matter how long you've been here, if you are in this building, and the first time you came, or before the first time you came, somebody invited you to this place, lift your hand. My God. Give God a hand of praise. That's how it happens. It happens when redeemed rascals go and invite other rascals. They said, well, they said this to me. They said that to me. I'm not interested in what they said to you. I'm interested in what you said to them. You see, it's not something that comes into your life that causes a problem, but it's what comes out of your life that causes a problem. Living for God, if you want to, if you decide to choose that route, conflict is not an option. And the fire is not always fun. But the fire is worth it. Because when you get to the other side, you become far more sensitive to those who are in the fire now. You become far more compassionate to those who are in the fire now. Last point, then we're going to close. If you want to know how to win every conflict, if you want to know how to win every conflict, number four, you decide what you're going to do. You decide what you're going to do before you get there. You decide, I know tomorrow it might rain or the sun might come out, but I'm expecting God to do something good. Tomorrow, eh, eh, I'm believing God for His very best, but if something happens, I'm still going to expect God to do something good. Open your Bible to Daniel chapter 3 very quickly. Daniel chapter 3. This is the wonderful story of, uh, of three Hebrew men, young men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the Bible says that they were known for worshiping God and they refused to worship anything else. Well, this king came up with this plan he had a statue of himself built out of gold. And and the plan was that whenever music played, everybody had to lay down and worship this statue that had fallen their face and worship this statue. Still happens almost all over the world. It's not necessarily a statue, but it's a place called Mecca. And when the call to prayer is given, everybody in that particular religion is supposed to fall on their face and point towards that statue. It's not a statue, it's a, uh, uh, it's a whole area, it's a city, but the, the, the holiest temple in their religion is there. They're supposed to fall on their face, point that way, and pray when that happens. So they didn't come up with that. They got it from old Nebi Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar, he has this plan. He says, I'm going to have this uh, statue made. He said, when you hear the music, you've got you to lay down, you've got to bow and pray. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego heard the music. I said, well, we, we're not about that. We serve the Most High God and Him alone. We don't bow to anything else. And the Bible says that they're brought before Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, he says, He says, you guys are going to bow or you're going to burn. You guys are going to bow or you're going to burn. And I could just picture Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego They probably thought something like this. I'm not worried about the temporary fire. It's that eternal fire I'm trying to miss. He says, you're going to bow or you're going to burn. Daniel 3 and 16, we see their answer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, you'll bow or you'll burn. You boys better get it right. Right? The, the, the oven is right here, the furnace. And when you think of furnace, I don't want you to picture like a, a little wood-burning stove in your, in, your, in your workshop. We're talking about a, a huge cauldron of fire that they're about to chunk, these three guys. They're looking at what they're fixing to get thrown into. He said, you're going to bow when you hear the music, or you're going to burn in that fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, I Answered, said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We're not careful to answer you in this matter. In other words, I decided a long time before now what I was going to do. I decided before I got to work that I wasn't going to gossip. I decided before I got to the family reunion that I wasn't going to talk about so-and-so. I decided before I got home that I wasn't going to be frustrated with my wife. I decided before I got home that I wasn't going to talk ugly to my kids. I got decided before my feet hit the ground that I'm not going to be frustrated to my, to my husband. I decided before, 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 I decided before the, cl- the conflict showed up, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to love people and point them to Christ. I know what I'm going to do. I I don't know exactly how the pieces will play out. I just know what I'm going to do. Nebuchadnezzar, they said to him, He said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Verse 17, they said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace and he will deliver us from the fiery furnace. These are really my two favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Daniel 3, 17, 18. If it be so, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand. O king, this is what makes it my favorite. But if not be it known unto you you godless devil worshiping heathen I will not serve your gods I don't bow my head to anything else I'm not backing off I'm not slowing down I'm not scared of your fire I'm not scared of what you think you can do to me because conflict is not an option in this kingdom I was prepared for this moment before it got here you're not ready for me but I'm ready for you You see, in in the body of Christ, when you understand conflict is just part of it, it, it gets more clear. But you never hear God talking about the conflict. You never hear the Lord being specific about the conflict. Because He wants you to live by faith, and if He told you about every conflict, there would be no faith, because faith involves stuff you can't see. So if you could foresee every conflict, if God gave you a heads-up on every little time you were going to have a flat tire, there would be no faith involved. But if you can hold fast your confession of faith, even when conflict shows up, now faith is activated, and the Bible says you can't even please God without faith. So the only way for you to please God is to not know everything in your future. But believe God anyway. Here's the deal. If God would have spoken to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me finish. Let me finish. He says to him, he says, We're not going to bow. Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spoke, commanded they should heat the furnace up seven times hotter than it was. Verse 20. He commanded the strongest men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, cast them into burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats. They were bound in their hosen, which is that uh, hosen is interesting. It's real tight pants uh, that they used to wear back then. In other words, they were skinny jeans. bound their coats, bound their hosen, bound their hats, all their other garments, and they were cast into the middle of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, because he was so mad, the furnace got so hot that the flame jumped out and killed everybody who had tried to tie Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. Verse 23, then these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. He rose up in haste and he spoke and he said to his counselors, all those around him, he said, didn't we throw three men into the burning fiery furnace? They said, yes, Yes. you threw three men there, O king. Verse 25, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, he said, I know we threw three men. He said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. They have no hurt and the fourth one looks like the son of God. You want to find Jesus, you find Him in the fire. You want to find Jesus, you find Him in the conflict. You decide before you get there, I'm not bowing, I'm not backing off. Then you go, where's Jesus? He's in the fire waiting for you. But here's the deal, and we're going to pray. I want to pray for... For anybody who's sick this morning, we're gonna have our prayer partners come up in just a minute. I wanna pray for anybody that's sick, anything else, but specifically if you have had a bad report. So so not only is God in the conflict waiting for you, here's what he would have told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Matter of fact, he might have said this, we don't know. When Nebuchadnezzar got done chunking them in the fire and he realized Jesus was in there, he called them out and they were promoted and they were made rulers almost over, over almost everything in the kingdom. So the fire ended up being the thing that promoted them. So if God was going to speak to them that morning, here's what he would have said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego probably on their knees praying, Oh God, thank you. Uh, we just so love worshiping you. And I just, I'm so with it. And all of a sudden, the voice of the Lord speaks to Shadrach. And he says, Shadrach. And Shadrach's like, yes, sir. And the Lord says, today, you, Meshach, and Abednego are going to be promoted. Don't you know they walked out of their little apartment, got an Uber to the nearest uh, coffee shop, They were sitting there like, man, today is promotion day. I've been wondering when we're going to get promotion because I've been serving God. I hadn't grown weary and well-doing. I know he's going to do it. And then all of a sudden, they they hear Nebuchadnezzar wants to talk to you. Yeah, he does. I know he does. Ready to give us that crown. Probably going to give us some provinces out there on the east side, you know. Maybe a place up north. I've been picking out curtains for the, kingly, for the, for the uh, 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 throne room I'm going to have. It's going to be pretty good. Today's promotion day, boys. And they get in front of Nebuchadnezzar. They're like, oh, king, how's it going? Good to see you. Yeah, glory. Yeah, glory to our God, almost to you. But either way, everything's going good. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I heard you boys aren't bowing when I play music. Oh, Neb, you know us. We only serve our God. And Nebuchadnezzar said, well, let me tell you something, boy. You're going to bow or you're going to burn. And I could just picture old Shadrach going, but Lord, you said it's promotion day. (laughs) Promotion in God looks a lot different than promotion in the world. Promotion in God has a lot of fire (laughs) and a little bit of you promotion in God doesn't look like promotion in the world see we don't do our best at work we don't we don't get there early and do everything hoping the boss will see us because we're trying to get by we're we're getting early to work and we're doing the best because we represent Jesus Christ and we do all our work as unto the Lord and when promotion day comes it might not be pleasant for everybody who's tried to tie you up and threw you down but before the thing's over the boss is going to look in there and say somebody is walking around with that one bring them out of here I want you guys running everything I got because promotion looks different in the kingdom stand to your feet please my charge to you is when you're in front of the fire and they heat it seven times hotter can you still expect God to do something good maybe maybe You're going through something and you've been through it before. And it's like, why am I back to the same place? Why am I going back through the same stuff? Why again? Why again? I don't get it. Well, let me tell you what your job is. Expect God to do something good. How can... What good can come of throwing three men tied up in skinny jeans into a fire pit? You find out Jesus is in the fire pit. He picks them up, unties their hands gives them some jeans that fit, and say, let's go. That's a joke. Why do just put your hands in a, a place of reception, like somebody's going to hand you something. The Bible says in Lamentations that we lift our heart with our hands. That's why we do it. This is not a religious thing. This is us going for real, God. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that everyone here that we would recognize that conflict is not an option in our kingdom, but victory is certain. Lord, I ask as we go through life together, that you would equip us and empower us, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us the ability to expect you to do good things, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.